Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Dream Nation Love. If you're tuning in for the very first time, my name is Yulia. And if you're tuning in for the 15th, 30th, 60th time, thank you for taking an hour to spend listening to this really inspiring story. And it's so good to see you back. And please tell your friends about the show, right? If you enjoy the show, if you listen to it, please tell other friends that might enjoy podcasts because sharing is caring. Now, on this episode, I have Susie Batiste. She is the founder of Poopery, Supernatural, and Alive OS. She's an incredibly inspiring human being, and you might have heard her story on other podcasts or read about it in a magazine. It's an incredible story about survival and just overcoming your obstacles and Susie is just such a powerhouse. She is incredibly inspiring. For that reason alone, I kind of wanted to talk only about her course, which is a live OS because all the other information you can find everywhere and I didn't really want to rehash everything that exists and I wanted the century to be fresh and new and that's why we talked about a live OS. It's an eight week course showing you how to create the life of your dreams. Think of it as a radical upgrade to your operating system, your human operating system. That's why it's called Alive OS. Susie wrote this program and it's full of paradigms, processes, and practices to help you lead a turned on life. It depends on where you are in life. Sometimes your life is turned on. Sometimes you want to turn it up a little bit more. It helps you figure out what resonates with you and that helps you make your own alive ideas come true. Check it out on Susie's website at suzybatiste.com. And I hope you enjoy this podcast and please share it with a friend. It's such a great show. I hope that you too can turn your dreams into reality after listening to this episode and obviously taking Susie's course. Also follow us on social at Dream Nation Love and say hi if you like. I want to hear about your dreams and what's working and what's not working. Reach out and say hi. I'd love to meet you and I'd love to talk to you. Enjoy the show. Susie, it's so nice to see you. And I love your little Alive Shit setup. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's fun. Yeah, I'm in transit. So I'm like, I don't really have a studio because I'm, I'm moving around so much. But hopefully in the summertime, I'm going to set something up. So good. I actually returned to CEO like four months ago and had my offices all redone. And this is my office. But the funny thing is I have a conference room next to my office, but I sit every single day in the conference room and I never sit here ever. So I had this beautiful background, this gorgeous table, desk, and I never sat here. So <laughs> I thought this is a good opportunity. So you returned to being the CEO because I was reading that you left. You were traveling and you were just doing a live OS and you're back. You can't, I'm you're back. addicted. You're addicted. You have to. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yes. And possibly. No, I had to return back about four and a half months ago, but it was, re- it's really good. It, it was shocking. I was retired. I was not planning on it. And when I realized I had to return, I was like, oh boy, I knew I had a choice to either replace the CEO I had or to uh, return back. And I'm a hundred percent convinced I'm not a good side passenger driver. It's really hard to be a good side passenger driver. It is. I'm way better with the steering wheel. I completely restructured my company, redid everything, rewrote every job description, put in KPIs for the first time in my life. It's been really challenging and exciting. 
KPIs are the best though. You have a goal and you can see it and you're like, these are our KPIs. And if we don't hit them, then we're not hitting our KPIs. Yeah. But I've never ran my business that way. It's really fun. It, it worked for, you know, 14 years without them, but it, I realized at the time, like, oh, okay, we're big enough now. We probably get a little more serious here. Yeah. It's hard to adjust gears because you're in a different mindset and you already are like, okay, I'm doing this. And then you're like, okay, let's shift gears and let me put on a different hat and let me get back into this and let me start working on it on KPIs. Completely. Yeah. I've never, ever used, I I don't think I've ever used my left brain so much as I have the past four and a half months. It's like really exercised. I'm more of a right brain creative and it's actually been really fun. It's amazing how much I've learned about my business. Business is so creative. And I think that's something they don't teach you in school. Like they teach you the arts and they teach you theater and they teach you all this creative stuff. And that's how I came about business too. And, you know, and then once you start doing business, you're like, I have a whole new tool set to play with. And it's ultimate creativity because you get to work with creatives too. Yeah, completely. Yeah, it's incredible. So I ask every guest, what was your dream as a kid? I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional environment, so I didn't have a lot of truly childhood dreams. My plan was to work at the post office or to get a government, like some sort of government job or work at a factory because you made good money. What I did naturally as a child, which my mentor Gay Hendricks talks about how it gives hints to your zone of genius, is I was always a maker. I always just made things and created things. People call me a creator. Like I love creating and sharing. So I'm in business, not because I love business. It's because I can't stop creating. Like right now I've been making, I I built a sewing factory in my basement. I've been making all these cute little scarves for all my friends and family. And and they're like, you should do a scarf line, like a clothing line. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. But right now I'm just making little scarves. They're so cute. Every idea has a new challenge, right? Because you get excited about it and you're like, yes, I'm going to make that. But then you're like, okay, warehouse, storage, distribution. It it just gets into like another level of difficulty and and your time. In a way, you kind of built your own factory, right? Like (laughs) you built your own factory with Poopery. So in a weird way, like your dream came around, but you always want to be a factory owner. Yeah, I guess. I thought I was going to work in the factory. I thought, no, wow, you're really set to get a job in the factory, um, which is just absolutely hilarious. That's hilarious. How did you come around to creating a live OS? What moved you to create a live? So after my second bankruptcy, when I was 38, this was like 2001, around that it was in the stock market crash of 2001. So I went into a really deep depression, started a spiritual sabbatical. Like I went on a spiritual sabbatical for about four years. I decided I'm the worst business person in the world. I don't want anything to do with business at all. And the wonderful part of that journey of being completely flattened, what I now call the luxury of losing everything, that whenever I lost everything, I was able to really see what I was up to and start this really inside journey within myself. And I became happy for the first time in my life. You know, I didn't have a car. My cars got repossessed. My house got repossessed. I didn't have any of the material things that we contribute to success. But I knew where abundance was inside. I knew that it was an internal state of, you know, vibration, that it was an energy. And I wrote a course 15 years ago, called it's probably 16 years ago now, called Inside Out, How to Create a Life You Desire by Going Within. And it was all based on this book called The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin. 
She was this amazing metaphysician that taught metaphysics in her basement in 1900 and self-published a book, like Rad Woman, right? Amazing. Imagine the 1900s, yeah, 120 years ago. She's you know teaching these metaphysics classes in her basement about how basically how to manifest, how reality works. So I wrote this course and had five women in it. And then what happened was nobody finished the course. Everybody just petered off and I didn't even finish writing it. And I was like, oh, I haven't created external success the way people think. I'm talking about abundance, but I just filed bankruptcy, right? So, of course, as things would be, a few months later, I had the idea for Poopery, and I have been on this tangent for 14 years. About three years ago, I had an astrology reading, and this astrologer said, you did something 13 years ago the world wasn't ready for, and they're ready for it now. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah. And I looked down and my ex-husband had just brought this old binder that he found in some of our stuff from the attic. And my assistant had put it on my desk. And I looked down and I went, I wrote this course like 13 years ago. And she goes, yeah, you're going to be teaching about money and abundance and energy. I was like, oh, my God, like I wrote this. That went in my mind for a few months. And one of my coaches at the time was J.P. Sears. And he asked me a question and he said, there's a quote from Joseph Campbell, the cave you fear holds the treasure you seek. So the cave you fear holds the treasure you seek. And he said, what is in your cave of fear that's so scary that you can't even utter the words? What is that dream that's so big that you thought was absolutely impossible? And I couldn't even hardly say it. I was snot crying. And I said that I'm a global spiritual leader. And I still get a little ugh, with that. Anyway, I get through that process and he's like, so what are you going to do? You know, what's your first action step? And I looked down at this binder and I was like, I'm going to rewrite this course that I wrote 13, you know, 14 years ago then. So I asked 25 women here in Dallas if they would be my accountability partners. And I said, I'll deliver a course every two weeks. I'll write eight courses. And would you be willing to go through this and be, you know, just listen to whatever I write every two weeks? So they did it. And it was incredible. Everybody's lives changed. That was like November of 2019. And I still didn't do anything with it. It's still like, okay, the holidays, the new year. I still wasn't motivated. And then about April, people were having such a hard time during the pandemic that one of my friends said, listen, like you've got this amazing course. It changed our lives. Women especially need to be hearing this right now. So will you take it online? And that was the first time I taught it. it was in April of last year, April of 2020. So I took it online, gave a lot of scholarships, probably half our class was to black women. And it's just been incredible. So I've taught hundreds of students since. I think I've taught it, it five times. I wrote in the live abundance course. In the next few months, I'm writing a live business tackling all kinds of areas. It was a long story, but <laughs> it's interesting to see the manifest, uh, what we call manifestation or the actualization. I like that word better, the actualization of how the course came to be. Like sometimes things make more sense when you start writing them out in a timeline. Like if I'm not sure about like my story or something, I'll just write a timeline and then I'll see things in it that like I didn't even realize I saw it. And it's so interesting to like, just create timelines and just go, Oh, okay. So that how that that fits into it. And I'm really big into astrology too. I 
I helped launch this app. It's called uh, The Daily Hunch, and they use like all your transits. It's a custom astrology thing. Oh, I'm really into astrology. Like I'm that passionate about <laughs> astrology. And I think astrology also shapes who we are. And I think if people are into astrology, they're going to be open a little bit more to manifesting because I try to explain manifestation to a lot of different people. And sometimes some look at me like I'm completely nuts, but others are like, oh yeah, I totally get it. I'm a manifester. Like I understand it. So it's really interesting to help people understand this concept and help people understand energy and flow and what it's like to live as a three-dimensional human in this plane. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people go through their life not connected to anything and they're asleep. So it's hard to wake them up. And I think this is the perfect way to get them to start thinking about like how much bigger can their life be. I think so. And I think sometimes, you know, they're asleep. And I think at various times, we all have parts of ourselves that are asleep. We're all multidimensional beings. Like I may have a part of me that's asleep. I'm not in a relationship right now. That's pretty dormant and kind of asleep. I'm not in a romantic relationship, but my business is actually pretty awake or my spirituality or my spiritual practice is pretty awake. Or sometimes like my meditation right now, you know, I did a lot of medicine journeys last year and I've been trying to get my meditation back. So I think we have varying levels of asleep and awake. What, what may be awake right now? Well, it's also the amount of energy you can put into it, right? Because your business might be taking away more energy and a piece of that energy can be put towards relationships. But since you're not oh, putting that energy into relationships, then there are no relationships coming out because the universe is not getting the signal that you want a relationship because to the universe, you look like you're busy and you don't want it. All those things are so interesting. And I was going to ask you if you remember your very first alive moment, right? Speaking of waking up, feeling alive. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? What I do remember, and one of the things that really was the catalyst for this work, you know, while I wrote that, I knew that abundance and alive actually in my course, alive actually stands for abundance lives in a vibration of energy. I knew where it dwelt within a being. I knew that it's a state of being within oneself, but I didn't actually understand what it feels like when this evolutionary impulse comes in to your being, when that cosmic Big Bang. And that happened when the idea for Poopourri came about. I didn't quite understand it at the time, but I remember somebody said, Hey, can bathroom motor be trapped? We were in a small house with a, you know, big family. And I remember like this little zing at my arm and it's like the room kind of went high def. And I completely saw, I work with essential oils, oil floats on water. And I looked and I go, I can do this. They're like, what are you talking about? It was that moment of just, I've been plugged into a light socket. I absolutely saw it all. I knew I could do it. It took me nine months in the actual world. But looking back now, what I teach about going towards alive ideas or things that turn us on, I can go back and go, oh, that's what that was, right? And prior to that, I'm sure that I had those moments of insight in before. But one of my teachers, she was one of my mentors, Barbara Marks Hubbard, used to say that these impulses within us are actually evolutionary impulses. They are evolution itself telling us exactly what it needs in order to evolve. Isn't that radical? I love that. It's also like a level of survival that you want to live at, 
do you want to survive or do you want to survive and thrive? It's like, what level of survival will you be comfortable with? What will it take for you to survive? I like to think it's also like my future self guiding me. I wrote letters to myself when I was younger and I wonder if you did anything like that when you were younger. If you feel like you have a higher self guiding you towards your goals in a way, like you speaking to you from the future. No, I'll tell you, I went through astrologically speaking. I've never been into astrology, really. I tell all these astrology stories, but I sort of roll my eyes. They're like, oh, you're 12th house and you're 10th house. I'm like, oh, my God. I remember a, a shaman down in Peru telling me like 13 years ago, the more complicated it is, the further it is from love. So I've always <laughs> tried to keep my life pretty simple. And sometimes all the houses and they're all, I'm like, oh, Lord. But she did tell me that this year, I guess my Pluto's in transit and they call it Hades, where you face your actually deepest, darkest fears. So I've been going through that this year and it has been beyond intense, the most intense time I've had in 20 years. But what I've been realizing is that I'm not even sure about even the word manifesting anymore. I have been more in a place of surrender and watching. I'm not even sure if I'm being guided by a higher purpose or my own evolutionary impulse or something within me. It's almost like all of that belief really held so tightly has started unwinding this year. So I don't know if I'm guided by a higher purpose. I don't know. I do like to believe that there is a God and that is my personal belief, but do I actually know it's true? Of course, I don't know it's true. Nobody knows if it's true. So really just been, as I've been down in Hades this year, just really looking at so many structures that I had that I absolutely thought were true. I'm not even sure I've manifested anything. And I don't even use those words anymore. What I do know is I've created a lot of spaciousness in my being. And that spaciousness that I keep creating, things seem to fill it. So we could call that manifestation, but very little of what I've actually wanted has come into being. And I actually think we can limit ourselves with manifestation. And trust me, I've been out there talking manifestation for the past at least five, six years and on a personal level for probably a good 20 And now I'm rewinding all of that, going, why would you even want to limit yourself with some sort of manifestation? Why wouldn't you be open to and being curious to what life has to deliver? And I think once you put it into like your heart space that you want something, the universe is going to deliver something even bigger than you imagined. But I think it's just wanting it to begin with and then kind of like putting it away and just going, okay, like that, that'll be nice. And let me just focus on my thing and see what the universe will bring. Because I think your imagination is nothing compared to what the universe has in store sometimes for better or for worse. <laughs> and again, I don't even know what I want. Like, why would right. I even think about what I want? It's like, you know what I want? It's what I'm given. So it's really funny. So I was in the camp of Byron Katie. 18 years ago. Do you know Byron Katie? Mm-hmm. Loving what is? Okay. Yep. So I was in her camp for that four, my four year sabbatical. And I was so loving what is and surrendering and being open and curious. I have spent 18 years and I'm back where I was 18. <laughs> Trust me, I would bet you a lot of money that no one's done more personal development workshops, 
I've done over 150 hallucinogenic journeys. Like I have explored this shit. Okay. I'm not, I haven't been sitting back being passive. Like anybody that knows me knows like I've done a lot of work. And now I'm like, for what? (laughs) I'm really back where I was 18 years ago going, everything's perfect. It's great. Eventually, like five years down the line, right? When you start making those linear things, you'll be like, ah, this is what it was all about okay, this is where it's going. So it all works out. It all works out. Have you thought about implementing KPIs in your personal life? (laughs) Like I said, it's been more like, I've been more of a place of surrender and curious than I've been in many, many, many years. I don't know. Let's see. People always ask me, like, I went to this lunch um, about a month ago and these, this game designer, and we were talking about is this life a simulation? I'm like, maybe. And they're like, do you believe in a creator? I'm like, maybe. And they're like, do you believe in everything? I don't know. I'm back to, I don't know anymore. And it's an awesome place to be internally within me. It frustrates everyone else. But I'm a little like, I don't know anymore. I feel free, if that makes sense. I always think that deja vu is some kind of a glitch in the matrix. If it's a simulation, maybe the deja vu is, oh, you've been here before. You've done this before. You're on the right path. I try to look at deja vu as there's a glitch in the system and like it's a reminder of the matrix. But I was going to ask you, what has been your favorite drug experience? I love drug experiences as well. A lot more people should be open to them because now everything is coming to light, right? MDMA research, they're even working on LSD, mushroom therapy. In the last 10 years, things have been so much more open. Ayahuasca retreats are now popular. 10 years ago, you couldn't talk about this stuff. It was like so taboo. Trust me, I was that person. Yeah, I started going down to the jungles in Peru like 14 years ago. And I did not tell. I mean, I knew like probably three people around me, my three employees. When I first started the company, I would leave them for two weeks and go down to the jungle. I'm like, I got to go drink ayahuasca. And I've only done what we would call drugs. I did LSD once at a at a festival, but I've only done, all of my journeys have been in therapeutic setting with shamans or something. But last year I did 10 ketamine journeys. I'm not a fan of, I think that's probably what Jack was my meditation. It's an, it's anesthesia at the, yeah, end, well, at, I, at the end of the day. It does. It's cat, it's cat tranquilizer, right? <laughs> yeah, it is really good. I was working on attachment like an anxious attachment, it did solve that issue, but I think it had other repercussions. So I'm a fan of any of the naturals, ayahuasca, psilocybin, sassafras, anything that is grown of the earth, I'm way more a fan of. And again, honestly, just last night, all these people were talking about ayahuasca, and I'm like, you know, I just don't know if I'll ever do any another hallucinogenic journey as long as I live. I feel good. So you have to approach it from a point of trying to download information, right? You can't go into it just just as you are because you're not going to get that much out of it. So it has to be a place where you're really trying to find answers. It's always interesting what you can discover about yourself and, and what the plants can teach you, what nature can teach you, and what insight you can. And again, it's it's going back to energy work, right? It's the energy of the universe moving through the earth, moving through the plants, moving through you and everything is like one. I kind of call, call it like going online. It's like a different form of an internet. You can come in and you can, you have to be ready for the journey. And you just come out with a little bit more information, hopefully than than you had before. But I don't think you can just 
go into it just fooling around because it's serious stuff. It's very powerful, powerful medicine. Do you believe that there's a lot to opening up space? Most of us have filled and filled and filled. And you think about ayahuasca, you're literally puking up these energies, supposedly. But what it, it does create some space, which is really nice. They are wonderful, I think, to stop and kind of expand your consciousness into something much bigger than yourself. And, you know, you keep on mentioning the word space, too, and it makes me think of the goldfish idea, right? You are only going to be as large as a goldfish as, like, the bowl that you're put in, all right? So if you're in a small bowl, it's going to be a small bowl for the whole entire life. But if, if they put you into a big bowl, you're going you're gonna to get a little bigger and you're going to expand. And I, I like to think about what bowl will fit you? What bowl will you be happy with? And how can you find that bowl? How can you create your own bowl? <laughs> It was determining the size of bowl. I remember I did I did one ayahuasca journey and I came out and I was like, I'm gonna open a company called Black Box. People are like, What? And I'm like, Yeah. All these people always say think outside the box. And I'm always like, What box? Like where's who made the box? Where's the box? <laughs> so where's the bowl? Where is that bowl? Show me. We say what is it? Squaring the circle, squaring the circle, thinking outside the box. Is it's all these metaphorical things we use but it you're right you're totally right speaking of inside the box and outside the box how does one manifest the life they desire through energy how do you manifest this bowl how how do you manifest being a fish can you manifest being something else i'm not sure that you can again like i said i'm not sure i don't know what my practice has been lately is the opposite of manifestation it's the opposite of what most manifesting teaches. Most of the times you're taught to want this and then you think positive and you're going to vibrate and be aligned with that. I'm not even sure if that's true anymore. Abraham Hicks is going to come and knock me over the head. I'm saying that I believe what my experience is, is the more I clear internally and create more uh, peace, that's just a better way of saying it within myself, the more things seem externally to come. So it's the opposite. Because what happens is when you really think about it, I'm just starting to call game on the whole manifesting manifesting thing. Yeah. Because think about this. I want a million dollars, right? I want a million dollars. What that actually does is in a wild way, it roots the fact that you don't have a million dollars. And they say, oh, you need to really feel a million dollars. You can't feel it because you've never had it. You can try to imagine what you think it feels like. And so all of this to me is a lot of work. The way I've preferred to work in the past few years is let me just keep clearing space within myself. Let me, anytime I feel like a, a feeling or emotion, I'm going to be like, oh, what's that? Ooh, I go into that. I, I, I feel it, and then that gets resolved. And then what happens is things start coming in, and I'm like, that's cool. Now, the trick is, I don't believe you can do that in order to get it, because then you're in the same manifestation loop. Like, I'm going to clear, so I can have a lot of good shit in my life. Now you're back in the life again. So it's a really tricky, kind of interesting ninja move. Can I be okay with what is? And can I fully surrender to this moment? And then can I be open to whatever life has to deliver me? 
good, bad, what we label as good or bad? And then can I just be present within that experience? And my 100% track record experience is I'm blown away by what life keeps offering that I could have never even conceived within my rational mind. It's so interesting. I I think about that too. And I think about every time I, I do a jump in my career and whatever I'm building, I try to just spend some time just thinking and clearing space and thinking about what I need to eliminate in order to get to the next level. How do you like to clear everything? Like, do you have a way to do it? Do you just sit there and you're just like, okay, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm clearing it. Do you make a list? What is your method for clearing? Yeah, I think, again, it's about being present in the moment. It's yeah, like right now. You know, if I were looking at clearing, I'd be like, I've got tension in my jaw, right? Right. That tells me in studying body intelligence that there's some anger. And I'd be like, ooh, what do I feel angry about? <laughs> right? <laughs> it feels right. kind of juicy. And I just kind of go into that. Like, can I express anger and can I feel this anger that's present within my body? A couple of days ago, I had this real big feeling of humiliation. I was just like, oh, I'm so humiliated. And I literally just sat and felt it. Like I can feel it in my belly right now. Oh. And I just felt humiliation. And then I just really got to love, you know, I got to see it when I was a little girl. It was just like, oh my God, the one that actually thinks she could do something wrong and whatever arises in the moment. I don't really think now. And there are some things that have been a little more difficult for me to clear on my own. And that's when I reach out to, you know, like my mentor, Gay Hendricks or a therapist. And I kind of go, you know, it's been three days. I haven't been able to clear this energy. I still keep feeling this feeling, you know, there's some protective mechanisms around me that's not wanting to feel it. So I use them as a spotter. Go, I need to go in here where you kind of hold space because there's something pretty gnarly in here that feels like, you know, it never is, but it can feel that way. That's interesting. I never thought about going to someone to help with clearing, but that totally makes sense. If your car has a check engine on, you take it into a shop. So this is, it's really brilliant. And it's really nice to hear that coming from you. One question I have, which I didn't even write down is you built such a huge business with three children, two children or three children. I have a 10 month old. My husband is out for a walk with a baby right now. And I'm like, how do I adjust? How did Susie build a business with three children. And I know you're probably like, I'm, I'm amazing. And this is what I do. But like, how do you? How? 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 Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll answer that question with the story. I have a senior VP of creative here. She's incredible. She's been with me, I think, eight or nine years. She's in her 30s. And when she had her first baby, Two and a half years ago, she took her maternity leave and she said she's ready to come back to work. And I said, no, don't come back to work. And she said, I want to. And I said, one of my biggest regrets is not being home with my children. I don't remember. Is it Sheryl Sandberg? I don't believe you can have it all. You can't have it all. Something is going to sacrifice. One of my deepest regrets is that I wasn't in a position where I could spend more time with my children. And a compromise I made for her is she could come back to work if we gave her a big office and put a nanny in there. I know we can't do it now. We tried to do it for a few more people afterwards. And there's all kinds of HR laws where you have to be a daycare. It's, you know, our naivety let us do it for a year. 
which was really amazing. You know, the baby's name's Lucy, and I was in every meeting holding her. She was really birthed in a community, but that was a very abnormal environment. I sacrificed a lot of time with my children that I would trade back all the money I have to have that time back again. That's the real answer. I just want to give you a hug right now. I want to give you a hug. I want to give you a hug. It's just trying to figure things out and trying to like, where do you put your energy? Where do you what's put your energy? Priorities? Yeah, what's, yes. where are my priorities? Yes. And I had pretty screwed up priorities. I really thought that success in business and me being successful was the most important thing to me. And when I look back now, it's, girl, you had those priorities all screwed up, like completely screwed up. And it seemingly worked out well. You know, my children are happy, but I live with the uh, regret of the trade-offs. I don't think you can have it all either. I think, again, it goes back to survival mode, right? Like, I'm sure at that time you were in survival mode and you're like, I'm building something for my children so they don't have to be how I was. Like, I'm sure it all goes back to all of that. And this is what we have to deal with all the time. And none of my kids are interested in money at all. Because they're growing up with it. It's so- They're all <laughs> artists. They're like, I don't even want money. You know, my older son's into crypto. He ran the Bitcoin <laughs> meetings here in Dallas because he thinks we need a new financial system. He will not, not invest it. in anything that doesn't forward the movement of uh, blockchain technology, even if he can make money. He's just fabulous. My daughter's an artist. My other son's an inventor just making stuff. So none of them are really interested, which is really fast. I love it. I'm like, yeah, keep doing that. But they're going to come into whatever they're doing and it's all going to work out in the end. It's interesting because I see that divide between my friends and, and myself. I have a story similar to yours. Grew up with, I'm a Russian immigrant. I came here with a hundred bucks and a suitcase when I was 10 with my mom. It's about this generation achieving and then doing things. It's like, it's a whole entire discussion altogether. It's how the drive that you have came from where you were. If you were born into something else, you'll be like, I'm doing crypto. <laughs> this is totally. What I'm-, I'm gonna be I'm gonna paint. I'm just gonna sit home and paint. You know what? She just needs to get into the Gagosian gallery and that's it. And she'll be all set. And she'll paint her way into her life and that's gonna be wonderful. Speaking about like resonance and dissonance, how does one use resonance and dissonance to transform their reality? We talked about staying away from things that you like and drawing towards things that you like. Your children are resonating with art. <laughs> they are clearly dissonancing from money, but but they're still young. Who knows? NFTs, man. <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> no, I don't even I still don't understand it. I'm like, so there's nothing that I buy <laughs> and I still have nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if I buy a piece of NFT art, I you own it. I do. Yeah. Okay. Where is it? It's on the internet. Okay. But what do I do if I'm going to show somebody that? You could project it up on a wall. I'm like, <laughs> to me, I'm sorry, but we got a little bit of the emperor's new clothes thing going on here, which is pretty fascinating. Just energy. It's, oh, I'm just going to believe the story that's not true. Okay. <laughs> Give me something I can touch. That's what life is, right? Money is a story that is not true. Like we all chose to believe that money is a thing before we were trading shells and salt. And exactly. Now we're, like, and now now we're trading like, light. <laughs> so you want some of my light? I've got some. Yes. Real, I've got a million dollar light. You want to see that? 
you've got a billion dollar light, Susie, and you're exactly. shining that light. Yeah. And, and you're shining in two corners of the universe that need it because there are lots of girls and there are lots of boys and there are lots of everyone else between boys and girls who need this light and who might be listening and who were in your shoes when you were little and they're just looking for a light. They're looking yeah. for a light so they can turn on their light and they're trying to escape. They're trying to escape that scary place. You need to be like a little beacon shining your light so they can find you and they can come alive. Yeah, speaking of that, resonance and dissonance. So I called Dr. Bruce Lipton in 2017 and I said, hey, I have this theory that ideas are alive. I said, are they alive? And he said, why do you ask? And I said, well, I have this theory that the ideas that I seem that turn me on seem to work out. The ones that I create with my left brain logic, oh, there's not a dry cleaner on this, you know, corner. It makes sense to put a dry cleaner here. They, those just never work out. And I'm just curious about that because he's a cellular biologist. And he said, every living thing is a vibration. So everything is a vibration. Everything down to an atom is a vibration of energy. And then he said, and every living thing is seeking more life force energy. So we are going to be naturally drawn. When you look at a cell in a microscope, it's around looking for more energy. It is within our nature to look for more energy. And then he explained to me resonance and dissonance. And resonance is when you take two energy, and he said this could help you explain what's going on. When you take two energy waves of the same pattern and same wavelength, so they're the same, you put those two together, they equal a bigger pattern that either of them do apart. So it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals three, four, five, six, depending upon the level of resonance, okay? And then he said dissonance is the opposite. It's when you have two energy waves that are completely different. One's like this, they're just, they're not one's good and one's bad. Oh, those people are toxic or whatever, you know, these horrible words we throw out to people. But when they're just different, you're not on the same wavelength, you're not on the same energetic pattern. Those two together create less energy together than they do apart. Both those together equal less energy than just one of them do by itself. He says, like, you put noise-canceling headphones on, and what they do is they actually cancel each other out and create no energy where you can't hear any sound. And what I realized is that the things that, and I try to keep myself into places of resonance, things are actually turning me on. And move away from things that are dissonant, things that are dragging me down. And I know that energetically. For example, I've had a lot of company this week and it's getting to where I need some alone time. It's starting to become dissonant for me. It was very exciting. I've had a great social life this week and now I'm like coming into my like, okay, I need to get myself into a better state of resonance because it's becoming dissonant now. And it's just, I'm just a different this person still is wanting to stay with me and company and let's go out and see things. And I'm at a pattern right now. My energetic pattern is I'm tired. I need rest. I need solitude. So it's just different. It's not that one person's good and one person's bad. It's just dissonant right now. And I may be resonant at another time. But one of the things that we do in a live OS is we talk about a lot about intention, integrity, and then we start learning about resonance and dissonance. And we also enter the cave of fear. But um, we start looking at those things that are dissonant, that are dragging us down energetically. And energetically, it's like draining your bank account every single time. 
it doesn't light you up. So you're literally getting less energy than you had before or being at a neutral state. As we start really focusing a little bit more on things that are resonant and we start turning towards. And once we start turning towards, we start being actually more lit up and we get more energy and more life force and life goes on. So I think we are masters in Western civilization at trying to do self-care so that we can try to patch the vast amounts of dissonance that we have in our life and try to make it okay. And really, the truth is, this is not turning you on. It's actually depleting your life force energy. And then all of a sudden, we end up with a disease and we are something and we go, what happened? What happened is you've been draining your life force energy this entire time. And it's Thursday and it's four o'clock and and I'm like, I'm very cognizant of our time too. So I have one more question left for you. What is your dream as an adult now that you're grown up? Really, the only dream that I kind of have is, can I be a curious observer? Can I be fully expressed in the moment, no matter what I think someone wants to hear? Can I be fully expressed? And can I just be present to what's up right now in this moment and um, be authentic with that? If I can live the rest of my life like that, I'm going to be really happy. <laughs> That's a beautiful dream. Oh, I think you're doing it. Like every everything you do is towards it. I'm excited um, to see what you guys are going to be doing at Poopery. I know there were some, there was a Super Bowl ad this year, right? There was. No, last year, no, no last we year. didn't. No, uh, we have a big campaign coming out in January, which should be fun and shake some things up. So we got a lot of fun things brewing over here. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you're back in the, <laughs> you're back at it. I'm super excited about the course. I'm going to share all the info on the October 1st podcast. And I can't wait for more people to find out about resonance uh, and dissonance and all this wonderful stuff. And I'm also a huge fan of Tesla. And he's got a wonderful quote that I live by that says, if you want to know the secrets of the universe, think, think in terms of energy, energy, frequency, and vibration. That's it. I, I love Tesla. He's like my dream man. He's amazing. But I'm excited to see how Alive OS grows throughout the years. And I'm so happy that you're doing this. And we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. It was so fun. Yeah, I thank you for making the time. I appreciate it too, Susie. Have a okay. good day. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast, it's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love. Share it with your friends. Have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.